when we talk about society, I can't help but zoom out and just think about life. One day you're nothing, and then you're here, and then you're gone. Life is this strange mystery, and it's beautiful, and it's tragic, and part of it is beautiful because it's tragic, and we're only here for God knows how long, and oh my gosh, what are we going to do to make the best of this magical coincidence that we call existence? We're going to sit very still at our desks and complain about traffic and build things with concrete and just suck all of the magic out of everything. I think there's something so mystical about life and we can collectively, I think, feel that thing, that mystic, that mysticism missing, that joy, that spark that intuitively we know we should be feeding into. But like the way that we've structured society, it's like there's no room for it. One of the people who really influenced my politics once I was fresh out of university is a political thinker in the States named Chloe Valderi. And I think she really hit the nail on the head when she said that one of the issues with our politics is that it feels like we're looking for a political solution to a spiritual problem. Hi, my name is Felicia. I'm a Canadian sociolegal theorist and artist and writer and many things. And today I am stuck on wanting to talk about this question of who are you outside of capitalism. One of my frustrations in life is how difficult it is to detangle yourself from the society that you come from. There's this enmeshment that we have with the society and relationships that make us, this symbiotic relationship where the self and the society are co-creating one another. And if you're listening to this, it's very likely that no matter what, you'll always be contending with and defining yourself in relationship to and in struggle against the consistent strum of capitalism and everything that comes with that individualism, Leave me alone! competition, a certain level of indifference towards collective interests, Help me! defining human value according to levels of productivity and property ownership, um, a persistent disregard for nature up to and including disconnection, disregard for your own body, your breath and pleasure. It's just a part of our story. I do try to be grateful for the parts of capitalism that afford me certain luxuries that I would be foolish not to appreciate. And at the same time, I also hold space to mourn the parts of myself that I will never know. In this weird way, society both shapes us and keeps us, shapes who we are, but then also keeps us disconnected from ourselves. Our desires are so tied up in the shape of society and... I don't know. I don't know that our desires arise like uh, totally spontaneously. There are some desires that are like coded into us. And then there are others that are ingrained into us by society. They're socialized into us. Sometimes, you know, we want what other people tell us to want or what we're socialized to believe as good. Or we want things in struggle against our society or the social norms that we were raised in. Maybe we want what will help us to gain social approval or greater social mobility. And so for many of us, for so many of us, um, those things, the things that we desire or the desires that are at the forefront of our mind are really rooted in work just by virtue of existing in a capitalist society. She was like, I hate my job. I'm going to burn this mother down. You know, I think... Um, a huge part of the harm that's done 
through capitalism is this disconnection from ourselves. This disconnection from, you know, our more like, uh, not like disembodied, what's the word that I'm looking for? Um, (laughs) Like our emotional selves or like our spiritual selves. I don't know. The part of you that's like not a body. Um, But then also from the physical body as well. I'm reading this book, Slow Pleasure, Explore Your Pleasure Spectrum by Euphemia Russell. And part of that book talks about this concept of, um, I feel like very on theme of what I'm saying now, just like being like really disconnected from our bodies because our bodies are wired to, to avoid pain and to chase pleasure, but we're not afforded a lot of pleasure in our society. Pleasure is often put into this box of like sexuality. Like when you think of pleasure, it immediately is like... Something, um, something sexual or like 18 plus when really we should have so much more access to pleasure. But because the style of life that we live socially is like so painful, a lot of the times we're like basically like dissociating from our bodies just to survive. Life sucks and then you die. Like this is so painful. I'm so stressed that I... I can't be in my body right now. So we almost like numb ourselves. So we don't have to, we don't have to feel the pain of existence because we're constantly running from it. And that can affect us in so many different ways in our life. And one of the ways I feel like that can show up is in relationships because we're so used to just kind of numbing ourselves from pain, part of reconnecting and finding who you are, who you might be outside of capitalism is to just become a little bit more embodied. Recently, I've been changing the way that I think about a lot of things that I am in relationship with essentially everything that not everything is neutral but there's a very specific relationship that I have to it what is the relationship that I have to time what is the relationship that I have to sleep what is the relationship that I have to this person um and not just like there is me and this thing but like there's a relationship that ties us together and assessing whether that's healthy or unhealthy whatever and I feel like when I'm in relationship with someone or something instead of pushing down feelings of negativity or warning signals that my body might be sending me, just acknowledging when something feels uncomfortable. If it's in a relationship to someone like, hey, you know, I'm feeling hurt. I really need you right now. Can you be here with me? Or if I notice that signals are going off in terms of my relationship to something that might be like more like abstract or like inanimate, like my relationship to time, for example, just sitting down and allowing myself to assess you know, what is it that's wrong here instead of just kind of like white knuckling it through life, which I feel like so many of us have been taught to do really just to survive instead of feeling the need to always perform a certain standard of beauty, letting myself just wear things that feel comfortable for me that I can breathe in and eat in and run in and not feeling like I have to wear makeup or dress in a certain way. And I'm, I'm black. So maybe that means not straightening my hair if I don't want to do that. I think sometimes healing is going back and reclaiming and revisiting those parts of ourselves that we allowed to die not because we felt like we needed to let them go in order to grow as like a natural process of our lives but the parts of ourselves that died because we felt like we needed to let them go in order to survive parts of ourselves that we felt like we needed we might have needed to cut off prematurely because you know I'm not going to survive 
this relationship unless I learn to numb my emotions. I am not going to survive unless I look this certain way. So I might cut off or suppress the part of myself that might want to appear or present differently. Um, And healing is just allowing yourself to go back and revisit that part of yourself and reconnect with it. I kind of want to shift or like redirect that thought, I guess, into like a discussion more specifically naming intuition, which I feel like might actually be a better way to capture what I'm trying to talk about anyways. Your intuition is sort of, you know, an innate, inexplicable sense of knowing. It's like a unique internal navigation, a gut feeling, a hunch, an abstract intelligence sort of pushing us forward, um, pushing us towards or away from certain experiences as we're developing or, or discovering or rediscovering our sense of self, I think in a lot of ways, it's just getting back in touch with that natural guidance to be able to hear and hold it without requiring other people to validate, you know, what you already know is good or right for you. And I'm not a spiritual guru or anything. I don't want to be. <laughs> um... But going back to intuition, sometimes you just know things. Sometimes you just realize things and can't necessarily explain why, but it doesn't mean that it doesn't mean that, that knowledge is invaluable to you. Maybe that's as simple as just, you know, knowing what a life looks like that actually feels fulfilling for you, or knowing what relationships look like that actually light you up, knowing what experiences actually do or don't feel satisfying for you. No, not all of our desires arise spontaneously. Like I said earlier in the episode, some of them are socialized into us based on the political... (laughs) I just got like a flashback to Jaden Smith. Can we just talk about the social political structure of the world right now? And I look and I, I go around sometimes and I hang out with other people that are my age and they're just... I'm just like, dude, like, oh my God, like, can we talk about like the political and economic state of the world right now? Um, but yeah, not all of our desires arise spontaneously because some of them are heavily influenced by the political and economic and social structures around us. But like I said, some desires also feel like they're just kind of like coded into us and I think that to me is intuit or part of intuition. And I think it's important to learn how to actually balance those things, <laughs> like not to lean totally into one or the other, because each of them are valuable in their own way. I am not an anarchist. I am very far from it. I really love to critique and analyze and kind of break down and deconstruct society in a productive way because I have a really deep respect and reverence for society and the social structures around us that help to create order. And I try to be really explicit about that in my writing. But I also feel like having a sense of wonder, having a sense of unique desire, being Uh, giving yourself permission to sometimes step a little bit outside of what uh, the outside of the parameters society has already defined for us I think that's also really important that's equally as important you know without order without that those unifying desires there is the death of society but without giving yourself permission to access and recognize your own unique desires and to play with wonder um, there is the death of the self And in the modern world, I think we're taught to put ourselves away and suppress our desires for the benefit of society to a detrimental degree. At least for me, it feels like 
there's not a lot of social permission to exist in a way that feels free because we are so enslaved by capitalism and supporting that structure through really intense personal sacrifices sacrificing our time with friends with our family um sacrificing our sanity sacrificing our sleep um sacrificing also our true desires and our passions most of us are taught to make really big life decisions and to orient our lives around what will make sure that we can get a job and a job that will make us a lot of money enough money to pay off the debt that we likely have from going to school um or to be able to buy material things that help us escape from (laughs) the collective depressing reality of our lives And in that, there is such little room for desire. If you're making decisions from this place of, I just need to survive, there's not actually room to think about, you know, what decision can I make right now that will feel good? One of my favorite creators, writers, actors, extraordinaire, the legendary Brit Marling. In an interview, she talks about how, you know, before she took up with filmmaking and storytelling, she was working this job at Goldman Sachs and it felt like something in her was dying. I would go home from work and sometimes just cry. And it wasn't just like a few tears. It was the kind of existential crying of like, it was heartbreak. I was heart. I was heartbroken that, you brought this up earlier, the idea of like, when does a kid lose their imagination? When do they let go of that wild unbridled thing and become the broken in horse? That was the moment for me. I remember, seeing a doctor, telling the doctor that I was having these like waves of sadness, and he was just like, you're depressed, here's a prescription for Paxil. I remember filling the prescription, and it was sitting on my nightstand, and I would come home and be so sad, and I would look at that bottle, and I would think something is wrong here. If like, I'm being told, like I'm doing something that's making me not feel good, And I'm being told that the answer is to just like pop one of these pills. And in that interview, she says, and I open the zine with, you know, how many moral compromises can you make before you begin to chip away at that thing in you that's even worth giving? And I think that thing is that spark, that little, that spark, (laughs) that like innate knowing, that whisper, that thing nudging you and pushing you along. That if you listened to, you might be living a life that looks totally different from how you're showing up now. Um, and I'm just going to leave you with that thought, that quote. How many moral compromises can you make before you begin to chip away at the thing in you that's even worth giving? See where you might make less compromises. Um less compromises where you are the one that's at a loss and where you are the one sacrificing and giving up important parts of who you are in order to do things and be in places and situations that you might not even want. Hey, thanks for listening. If you enjoy my work online, consider reading it in print. I publish a zine called Her Anthology, which is something tangible, more personal and thoughtful, delivered straight to your door with stickers. So if you're interested, head over to heranthology.com. That's H-E-R-A-N-T-H-O-L-O-G-I-E.com. But again, thanks for listening. I will talk to you next week. Um, Hope you enjoyed the show. Bye.